There's been a lot happening with Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs over the last several days. And we talk about what has been happening and whether the Ravens could potentially make a move for him. All that and more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. We're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us on this Wednesday midweek edition and making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. And thank you for all the support if you're an everyday or thank you for tuning in every single day here. And if this is maybe your first time or maybe it's your second, your fifth, your 100th, thank you as well for being a part of the show here today. We put out Daily Ravens content five days a week. So any Ravens news analysis updates Monday through Friday, we got you covered here on Locked on Ravens. And here today, I'm going to be talking about a, a big name, and you, you're going to say, Kevin, you do this with everybody. <laughs> you do it. But look, it, it is not harmful to go and at least dabble with the idea. Look at the idea of some of these players. So Stephon Diggs is the latest name we're looking at today, and, and it's it's been a weird week or so with Stephon Diggs. Now, there's been some, you know, I'd say discomfort with Stephon Diggs for both Minnesota and now Buffalo with some drama going on here and there. I'm not, I don't think Stefan Diggs is a diva, but with Diggs, we're going to talk about what has been going on in Buffalo over the last week. If it's anything to monitor, if the Ravens could wind up with him, if stuff goes completely wrong and whether there is anything to even look at there in the first part of the show. Then in the second part of the show, we're going to take a look at the left guard position, talking about Malisala Amuvai Laulu, who is apparently in the mix for the left guard job. So we'll talk about Sala and whether he's the left guard favorite at this point before training camp begins. Then finally, we'll take a look at, at Roquan Smith at Patrick Queen and if they're the best inside linebacker duo in the NFL, if anybody challenges them. Because both those guys have been very adamant that, look, they believe they're the best duo. And look, we'll talk about whether we should believe them or not. So all a lot of stuff here to talk about on the show. Let's first get into Stephon Diggs. Now, just a, a brief overview, I guess, of what's been going on over the last several days. Stephon Diggs did not show up to the first day of Buffalo Bills mandatory minicamp. And, you know, Sean McDermott was asked about it. He said it was very concerned. Ended up showing up and participating after that. And, you know, things kind of, I think the tension settled down a little bit. But there have been all these crazy reports coming out about how he's unhappy with his role in the offense and he wants more input on play calling, stuff about him wanting DeAndre Hopkins and, th and that contributing to unhappiness. And, and we should remember the last time we actually saw Stephon Diggs was him yelling at Josh Allen in their playoff loss last season. So th there's been, I, I don't know, just uncomfort with, with Stephon Diggs in Buffalo over the past um, couple of months or whatnot. Now, I don't think that this is the be-all end-all for Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. There have been reports and rumors that some teams would be interested in Stephon Diggs, like the Denver Broncos, for example, if you were to be made available and you're like, duh, right? Like I think every team would be interested in Stefan Diggs. Now, how many teams could actually trade for him, make a move for him. It's, his contract is honestly pretty untradeable, not impossible, but it's not necessarily great for Buffalo in that regard. He'll be making 24.415 million in 2023 has a $22.74 million signing bonus. So for a team that would 
trade for him. Essentially, the base salary would be one point one six five million dollars. And it's interesting. The cap it for Stefan Diggs only fourteen million. He signed a huge four year ninety six million dollar contract with the Bills. So he's in Buffalo for the long haul. He's not going to be a free agent anytime soon. His contract runs out in twenty twenty seven. And you have the out year in 2025, but you know, we're talking if this is a move that really has to happen, if there's no repair for Stefan Diggs in Buffalo, then maybe the Ravens could swoop in and make a move. Now, do I think that's very likely? Probably not. But here's what I will say about the situation. If we go back to 2015, when Stefan Diggs was drafted by the Bills, fifth round pick 146, if, if I'm not mistaken, Ravens drafted a receiver in the first round that year it's like this is going to be tough for you for you to hear for me to say but we're, we're going to get through it all. i'll give everybody a second to prepare themselves rashad perriman yeah rashad perriman was the guy who baltimore took not great not not great but stefan diggs was someone who everybody i wanted stefan diggs in baltimore everybody wanted him in baltimore it was a feel-good story him going to the university of maryland so there is some connection there but at this point it feels like, you know, Ian Rappaport put out a report where he says that a lot of that stuff about DeAndre Hopkins and the, the other rumors and reports, he's not going to pay as much attention to that. And a lot of that is not true, as opposed to what Josh Allen has said, which, you know, communication is going to be key and a lot of this stuff. So it's a very weird situation with Stephon Diggs right now. I don't think anybody really knows what's going on. I don't think anything is necessarily fully going away anytime soon. It, it does, again, feel like stuff has settled down in that regard. But for Baltimore and how this relates back to them, I mean, this is a team that, you know, if something all of a sudden just blows up in Buffalo and Stephon Diggs hates the organization, the, the Bills want to get rid of him. I don't anticipate that happening whatsoever. But if that does happen, should there, it's the same conversation as DeAndre Hopkins, but with draft. It's Okay, it's the conversation with DeAndre Hopkins before he got released. It was Arizona. Now, Stephon Diggs would fetch a lot more draft capital than DeAndre Hopkins would in Arizona if he was traded by the Cardinals. But for Baltimore, it's do you want to put premium draft capital into that position? I just don't feel like that's realistic right now for them. Because look, Stephon Diggs, yes, he would be the best receiver on the Ravens if he were traded to Baltimore. I, I don't really think a trade happens. I think he will be on Buffalo's roster come 2023 because of the fact that, again, I just I don't think it is as serious as some people say. Look, we've heard Josh Allen say as such, Von Miller say as such there as well. But would Baltimore be willing to pay Stephon Diggs the rest of that contract as well is give up potentially a first round pick, a second, a third, whatever it may be. It's going to be a first and then something. So I just feel like with Baltimore's positioning right now, it'd be much more realistic for them to go after DeAndre Hopkins. And even that I don't think is very realistic at this point. It feels like it's down to, to Tennessee and New England. Stephon Diggs is a great player, one of the best receivers in this league. You know, depending on who you talk to, top five, top 10, I, I have him in my top 10, absolutely. Top five is definitely in the conversation for him with me. But at this point, Baltimore, I think, again, it's the same stuff meckling with DeAndre Hopkins. I would rather see a corner. I would rather see an edge guy. Look, if we're talking big trades, Jair Alexander is someone where who knows how available he actually is, who knows what Green Bay's timeline is, how, how they feel about their roster. But if we're talking big-time trade, give me Jair Alexander right now based off of need and based off of fit. Stephon Diggs fits anywhere, right? He, he's a great player, can make any offense better. But at this point, I don't think that everything going on in Buffalo is as big. Maybe it is. And maybe there's stuff going on behind closed doors. Like this whole thing 
ended up happening because mandatory minicamp, obviously it's mandatory. And if you don't show up, a big deal is going to be made about it. The Sean McDermott comments kind of amplified that when he said he was very concerned, but we, we've kind of heard all of these reports and all of these things about, well, everything is going on where he's unhappy with this and he's unhappy with that. And he wants this and he wants that. But at this point, it feels like he's going to stay in Buffalo if he was made available, I think Baltimore could potentially be in the conversation. But again, that's the if factor of this whole thing. It's if he's made available, if he's traded, if the Ravens are willing to give up that package. So it's it's interesting to think about because Stephon Diggs, like DeAndre Hopkins, would make this offense so much better. And you can argue that, look, the revamped offense not, not only helps your offense, but it helps the defense too. We'll talk about that later in the week. But there's a lot that Stephon Diggs could do for any NFL team. But to me, Diggs stays in Buffalo this year. It's a dream. It's one of the dreams to have him in Baltimore, have him back in Maryland, and have a draft mistake corrected from the Ravens all those years ago. But for now, it feels like the contract, the draft compensation, and just the situation in general, Stephon Diggs feels like a bill in 2023. Maybe things change. Maybe things aren't as sunshine and rainbowy as, as I'm making them seem right now. They're definitely not all. It's not perfect there right now for sure. But he should be a member of Buffalo, and we'll see how it all plays out for him. But for now, I'm not. I'm just not very likely to me that Baltimore makes a move. Not very likely the Bills move on from him in general. So, again, interesting conversation, especially with the way the receiver position has gone for Baltimore over the years, where if this was last year, I'd be saying, oh, go out, like, let's, let's pray and let's hope he's made available and the Ravens can go get him. But now I feel more confident in the Ravens' wide receiver position as a whole than I have maybe ever. And – it's good to have the fun digs in your offense if you're an NFL team, but for the Ravens, it is more of a luxury. It's not a need at this point, but if, if you made it available for real, we can have that conversation again. But coming up in the second part of the show, we'll talk about the left guard position for Baltimore. If Salah is the left guard favorite for the Ravens, so be sure to stay tuned. Plenty to talk about on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook and baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on all the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook because right now new customers get a nose bet first start up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. The Orioles, they've been really good this year. Adley Rushman's been hitting well. Gunnar Henderson as well. They've gotten contributions Props on those guys, maybe pitching props or futures or whatnot. You should have do it over at FanDuel. So don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel official partner in Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball channel receives permission. We're back here. Our second segment, Locked on Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with you on Wednesday. Is we just talked about Stephon Diggs and the possibility of him potentially being made available by Buffalo. Maybe the Ravens making a move for him again. I just... Don't think he's going to leave Buffalo at this point. There's not going to be a move made there. But if he is, maybe the Ravens swoop in and see what it is. But let's move away from hypotheticals. Well, we'll get into more hypotheticals now. But a guy on the Ravens roster in Malasala Amuvai Laulu, who was the Ravens' sixth-round pick in this year's past draft here out of Oregon, an offensive lineman. And he's, he got some first-team reps at guard during mandatory minicamp. And a lot of people – including myself, honestly, pretty shocked by that. It seemed like Ben Cleveland was a leader in the clubhouse ever since Ben Powers left, but there have been a lot of questions and a lot of concerns about Ben Cleveland. I don't even have him on my roster. We did roster predictions for the Ravens after mandatory minicamp on Monday show. So if you want a full roster prediction, be sure to check that out. And yesterday we did winners and losers from minicamp. Ben Cleveland was on the losers list. So if you want to check that out, highly recommend that as well. Some shameless plugs in there, but with Salah, he's someone who 
is in the mix firmly now. I mean, getting first team reps is no joke. And the Ravens at this point just want to, I think, experiment with their guys, see who's able to perform in certain positions at certain levels. And look, this is when you do that. You, you don't do it during the regular season when the games count. You want to figure out, yeah, who's going to be the guy at left guard for this team. And I think that with what the Ravens have to offer at the position is, is Daniel Filele potentially, it's Salah, it's John Simpson. Cleveland's in that conversation, maybe Passion McCary as well. But to me, I don't know. I, I just feel like with the Ravens, that is the only position, obviously, that they need to really figure out on their offensive line. I mean, Ronnie Stanley is the left tackle for sure. Tyra Linderbaum, the center, Kevin Zeitler, the right guard, and Morgan Moses, the right tackle. Left guard is the only position. It feels really good to have four or five starters already penciled in, but the last one is going to be very important because we saw as a group, Ben Powers fit into that group really well. He earned himself a huge, huge big money bag in Denver and he like he deserved that for sure but with the Ravens and their options now I think he wants somebody who is athletic who can work into space and get out on poles and I think Salah can do that I think Daniel Filele can do that to an extent I think that John Simpson can do that to an extent Ben Cleveland it's a little more iffy he's not necessarily athletic he's known for being big powerful mammoth of a man like that that's what Ben Cleveland is known for the anchor and everything but athleticism it's not really there. When looking at Salah and his scouting report draft-wise, he has the size, he has the strength, he has the athleticism, has a ton of tools to work with. He's someone who you want to, like, if you're looking at an offensive lineman, whether tackle, guard, center, you you want the traits that Salah has to be. He's 6'6", 325, a, a massive human being. He has his length that he uses to his advantage, long-arming defenders, and his anchor is really good, too. He's super athletic. He has the lower half, the upper half, the, the arms, as I talked about. So he's a guy who's just underdeveloped at this point. So it's going to be a comfortability thing for Baltimore, right? Do they feel like he's developed enough to step in and play those high leverage snaps? We saw Daniel Falele last year. The Ravens, you know, they're, they're working through offensive tackle options with Ronnie Stanley still working his way back. And they have to go to him in a Daniel Falele in a high leverage situation in the New England game. And he played really well. And, you know, there were conversations about, oh, well, you know, should he start the rest of the year until Stanley comes back at that position? What should they do until he comes back? And ultimately, the Ravens got good enough snaps out of him then to, I think, use his development to their advantage. And now I think he's in a much better spot, has apparently been working out of the facility all offseason. So there's a lot to talk about with Daniel Falele himself. When you talk about Salah here, it's interesting just the, the potential trajectory he has. He's someone who I thought was going to be, you know, a backup his first year. The The game is very underdeveloped. I think he just has to learn how to use his athleticism, use his strength more. And that's fine, right? Again, sixth round pick. He's someone who I think has the potential here. But to me, it's how comfortable do the Ravens feel putting him out there? We're going to see a lot. I think it's going to be, look, Ben Cleveland to me, I just, I think the time that he's had with the Ravens has been pretty disappointing based off all the hype he got. And it just feels like it's coming to an end, honestly. So whether it is Salah, John Simpson, Daniel Falele, if they bring someone in, Ben Cleveland could maybe make the team as a backup backup, but it just feels like Baltimore is not very pleased with where he's at. And so the guy who, again, I thought was going to be the favorite and going to be the starter for the Ravens in 2023, just isn't going to be that apparently right now. Maybe things change. Obviously a lot can change in between now when the regular season starts. But to me, if I had to pick a favorite, I mean, we've seen Daniel Filele get first team reps. Salah got the reps too. 
I'll, I'll give it to him. I'll, I'll give it to Salah and say that he's the favorite right now, which is so feels so weird coming out of my mouth because I just I never thought I would say it, especially so early. But again, it, it is early, and that's the thing with this offensive line where it all starts up front. You have to be really good in that department. You have to protect for your quarterback and Lamar Jackson, open up holes in the run game. And I think that right now, you know, it's it's the weak link of the offensive line for sure, the left guard position. But Salah maybe gives them the best shot to do that. Maybe they want to go with the quote-unquote experience of Daniel Falele going into his second season, having a year with the team up in the offense, it's a new offense. So you're not necessarily going to say a year in the offense. But at this point, the Ravens have, a couple of options, you know, maybe you'd like to see a, a more proven guy there at this point. John Simpson has started some games, obviously for the Raiders during his time there. But I think that I'd honestly rather have Salah or Falele step into that role. Cleveland, I just don't think there's enough trust there. Seems like his love of the game isn't there based off of all accounts and all reports and something that honestly was a concern for some people when he was coming out of college and coming out of Georgia. So I think that Salah is, it's a pleasant, nice surprise here. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him really hard here as he continues to develop over the course of the next couple of weeks, couple of months, and throughout his NFL career. But a very nice boost to the Ravens. And look, if Salah starts this year, here's a prediction way, like I'm going way in the future for this one. My prediction is that whoever starts at left guard for the Ravens this year is not going to be the starter next year, and Andrew Voorhees will be their left guard. Assuming Kevin Zeitler stays, that's what assuming Kevin Zeitler stays, my guard picks are Andrew Voorhees at left guard and Kevin Zeitler at right guard. Now that is very far in the future. And now we're talking about, look, we don't even know who's starting this year. And I'm already talking about who's starting next year. But to me, I think Salah, my prediction, my very early prediction is that Salah starts this year, gains a lot of solid experience, does decently well with ups and downs, of course. And then where he steps into that role next year and you have a really quality backup who can play both guard and tackle in Salah there. So coming up in the final part of the show, we'll talk a bit about the defensive side of the ball, getting to Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, if they're the best duo in the NFL inside linebacker-wise. So be sure to stay tuned. Plenty to get to on Locked on Ravens. Don't go anywhere yet. We're back here. Our final segment, Locked on Ravens. Kevin Oshaker still here with you. Talking Ravens football. Thank you so much for being here with us again. And be sure to subscribe, like the video on YouTube, and also subscribe in audio form wherever you get your podcast. We are free. It's free to subscribe both audio and video. So if you're listening on your way to work, on your way from work, or however you're listening, I appreciate it. And if you're watching as well, if you're watching on the big screen, on your phone, wherever, thank you so much for doing so here on Locked on Ravens. But let's now get into the inside linebackers the Ravens have, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. They they have other solid depth. I went on Columbus Radio, Ohio Radio yesterday, and was asked about Malik Harrison and kind of where his status is right now. The Ravens drafted Trenton Simpson. In the third round, Kristen Welch, Delshawn Phillips, Josh Ross. But Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen are the prizes of that room. There's no doubt about that. And so with Baltimore, there's been a lot of conversation about those two and whether they're the best inside linebacker duo in the NFL. Patrick Queen has said as such. Roquan Smith has obviously been hyping him up a ton. And I kind of thought about it. I'm like, well, let's, let's look around the league and who are the guys that could potentially rival them as a duo? I mean, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw in San Francisco come to mind. Maybe a guy like guys like Devontae David and maybe uh, I don't know, Devin White, although I know that Devin White Devin White got a, a little he got sunned a little bit against the Ravens with a Tyler Linderbaum. But those two could be options there. I don't know. I mean, maybe uh Tremaine Edmonds and 
TJ Edwards, possibly Nick Bolton and Willie Gay come to mind. Maybe that that's a that's a good one, honestly. But I mean, other than that, there aren't a ton of duos that I would put above them, if any. I mean, another one potentially Frankie Louvu and Shaq Thompson are two. Louvu's really, really good. I like him a lot. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not really seeing a ton. Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson. That's not a duo I'm putting above them. I think out of all those guys I just listed, all those duos I just listed. I, I take Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen 10 times out of 10 there if I had to pick one. I think Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and Levante David and Devin White are the two others that are in my top three. But give me Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. Smith is one of the best inside linebackers in this league, if not the best, depending on who you talk to. He's someone that is just so all around good. Where I know with Patrick Queen, there are some areas where you want to see a bit of improvement, pass coverage, a couple others as well. But we saw Queen take a leap. And part of that leap was due to Roquan Smith. Now, not all of it. I want to give Queen his flowers and his credit for going out there and and doing what he did before Smith even came into the picture. But Roquan Smith, incredible, incredible run defender, is able to cover running backs and tight ends out of the backfield, which for so long, you know, if you've been listening to me for a while, if you're an everydayer, or if, you know, you've just been watching the Ravens in general, you know that it's been very difficult for the Ravens to cover running backs and tight ends for years in that position, you know, with safeties, with linebackers, it's been very hard for them to get matched up really well against those guys. And Roquan Smith did a really good job of that and has been doing a really good job of that for his entire career. He's also someone who can force turnovers, very smart, high level football player knows the game is just a very smart person overall. And someone who has a lot of confidence, like someone who plays that position has to have a lot of confidence. Now, he's getting the green dot as well. Mike McDonald revealed, I think that is a very worthy choice as Chuck Clark no longer a member of the Ravens. Smith is someone who I'm more than ecstatic. I'm extremely excited he's a member of the Ravens. I remember watching him at Georgia, loved his tape, loved his highlights. He was someone who the Ravens were were never going to get in that draft. He was just, he was taken way too high and the Ravens, you know, just weren't going to make that move. But he was someone who I would have loved to see in a Ravens uniform then. They trade a second round pick fifth round pick and AJ Klein Ravens legend AJ Klein for Roquan Smith and, and Jake Luke and I talked about this where look the Ravens second round pick you, you love that it's Roquan Smith the Ravens put out the tweet saying oh yeah we're up in the second round and our pick is Roquan Smith with the you know purple devil horns emoji the purple heart and they did it it was the it was the best moment of the draft for me honestly because Jake and I talked about it so much and it was it was great but Smith is someone who is incredible. He's an incredible presence in the middle of that defense. And then you have Queen as well, who I think grew so much in his third season. Look, we can admit it, plenty of ups and downs in his first two seasons. Someone who a lot of people were wondering, including myself, just which player is this? Because I think we saw so many different versions of him over his first two seasons. We just didn't know who he was as an NFL player. And something I go back to, and I made the point of this, again, if you're an everyday, if you watch me a lot here on Locked on Ravens, I've talked about this and I talked about it a lot then, but during Patrick Queen's rookie season, that was the COVID, you know, the COVID year where the draft and everything was different and the whole COVID protocols and whatnot, there was no rookie minicamp. And for Patrick Queen, a player who didn't necessarily start every single game at LSU, I think he needed something. I think he needed that structure early on in his rookie season. He just did not get that. And so while any rookies learning on the fly during his his first season in the NFL, 
I think that was a lot for Patrick Queen. Not saying he couldn't handle it and that he wasn't capable of handling handling it or anything, but I think he would have really benefited from having that structure of a full off season in person workouts. I mean, look, remember the guys are doing everything from they had Zoom meetings, right? It, it was they were working out on their own, and for rookies that can be tough, you know, for any rookie, not just a guy like Patrick Queen, but it's interesting to kind of look back on that whole thing and maybe wonder would Patrick Queen have put some stuff together quicker if he had that structure. So now we see the evolution, the sideline to sideline speed. We see him playing with a lot more confidence and that's what it is. I mentioned confidence, that position, any honestly, any position, but for that position too, you got to play with so much confidence and just knowing with what you're doing and trusting in yourself and your body and your abilities and your skills. And Patrick Queen did that so much more, I think, during his third season where we saw that confidence, you know, the hard hits, the screaming blitzes up the middle, making plays in the run game, making making plays also with sacks and disrupting the quarterback. Those are all things he can do, just being a heat-seeking missile and disrupting plays. And I think with both those guys playing off of each other, it's so important because I think both of them cover up maybe some weaknesses. Roquan Smith does not have a lot of weaknesses. Patrick Queen, the pass coverage aspect, I've talked about this before. Roquan Smith covers for that. And just they both enhance each other's abilities. And I think them together make a very, very powerful duo. So for them to be able to lead that Ravens defense, Roquan Smith having the green dot, Patrick Queen ascending the way we saw him. The Ravens decline his fifth year option. I think this is a year where Patrick Queen is, we're going to see the best year yet, in my opinion, from Patrick Queen. And alongside a hungry Roquan Smith, you know, the defense is hungry. The offense, so this team is hungry. Roquan Smith talked about having a lot of payback they got to dish out this year, and they're going to take it week by week. That's the type of confidence you want out of the leader of your defense or one of the leaders of the defense. There are multiple of them. But Smith is someone who has embraced Ravens culture, you know, came in from Chicago in October at the trade deadline or a couple of days before and ended up really embracing the city, embracing the team, embracing the organization and their values as well. It's been a seamless, seamless fit, you know, fit like a glove, honestly. And I'm really excited for him to continue to get reps in this defense, continue to grow alongside Queen and, and the other members of this defense and mentor a guy like Trenton Simpson. That's really key too, where the mentorship ability of a Roquan Smith, who Trenton Simpson said he looked up to Roquan Smith. He he wanted to model his game after Roquan Smith. Now they're teammates. That's really, really cool. So you can talk about the Fred Warners and the Dre Greenlaws, the Levante Davis and the Devin Whites. Personally, for me, I'm taking Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith as the best duo inside linebacker-wise in the NFL right now. And, and honestly, it's not as close as you might think. Like, it is definitely close-ish, but... To me, I, Fred Warner is probably like if I had to go one, two, Roquan Smith and Fred Warner are definitely one, two. Maybe Fred Warner, I think, is my one, and then Roquan Smith is my two, but it's very close. And honestly, I can flip flop those, but I don't think Roquan Smith is worse, worse than Levante David. I don't think he's worse than Mario Davis. I think to me, Roquan, even guys like Matt Milano, Shaq Leonard, Bobby Wagner, et cetera, I think all the the only guy who I think is on Roquan Smith's level right now is Fred Warner. That that's my opinion. I know some will agree, some will disagree. That's okay. But to me, you have a top two inside linebacker. Then you also have Patrick Queen, who to me I think is a top twenty guy at least. You know, you could argue top fifteen if you wanted to. But that to me, two two and fifteen worst or two and twenty if you want to go worst case scenario for that. Sign me up for that. Five days a week, seven days a week, honestly. Five days a week on Lockdown Ravens, and then seven days a week on the other two days we don't put out shows. But 
That's all I have for you here today on Locked On Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in here to this Wednesday edition. Now be sure to subscribe, follow along in audio form, and also follow along, obviously, in video form as well. When we get back here tomorrow, more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked On Ravens.